Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Hello, everyone. God bless you. I pray that you're having a wonderful day today. And I'm so excited that we could connect once again through the medium of online church. And so I just want to say hello, not just to our local church family, but also our global church family, people around the country and from um, different places around the world. We love you. We're praying for you. And we're so excited that we could connect together, worship together, pray together, and receive the word of God together. And you know what we're gonna do right now is we're gonna gonna take an offering and we wanna continue to worship the Lord. And I wanna read this. I read this um, in my uh, uh, devos today. Psalm 145 says this, one generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty and I will meditate on your wonderful works. One more thing, but notice there's a, when we worship God and when we celebrate God, we think about his wonderful works. This is a fantastic way to give to the Lord is to pause and to remember and to actually meditate on all of the awesome things that he's done, even in the past week. And then here's the last one. It says, they celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. So as we go to give today, we're thinking about the goodness of God and we are celebrating his abundant goodness. Has the Lord not been good? He is so, so good. He's so faithful. He's so kind. He's so gracious to provide and to protect for all of us and to meet all of our needs according to his riches and glory. And so we're going to pray right now. And I want you to pause and to deeply worship God as you prepare to give. Come on, lift your hands right now. And let's just focus on the goodness of God. Father, we thank you. We thank you for all of the great things you've done in the past. And we thank you, Lord, for your ever-present help, O God. Day by day, you are right there with us. And so, Lord, you are the faithful God. You are the good, good Father. And we worship you and we give back to you. And we want to participate with you in your kingdom. God, we sow a seed today, uh, not just upon your heart, but in your kingdom, oh God, because we're trusting you to to take it and bless it and multiply it and meet the needs, oh God. Let the gospel run forth with great power. Let, Let people be blessed because of the giving of your children to the church of Jesus Christ. Bless this offering. Bless any and everyone who's hearing, oh God, my voice right now. God, if someone is struggling financially, break through for them by your mighty power as they glorify you and worship you. We love you, we praise you, we trust you, and we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. 
Praise be to the living God. Hallelujah. So we're jumping right into our What's Your Vibe series. And uh, I hope you have been um, just giving off good vibes all week. We have a sign around here that says good vibes only. I pray that that's been um, what's marked your life as these weeks have been unfolding. And you know what? We have a lot to cover today. Today is a very intense message. I want to tell you in advance, like, and by intense, I mean the, there are some very important principles that we not only need to receive with our hearts, but we really have to, um, like, take them in with our minds. So listen closely, intently. Let's engage in a very deep way. All right, so let's jump right into this. Um, what is a vibe? A vibe is a person's emotional state as communicated to others. The atmosphere, this is going to be an important word today, the atmosphere created by the disposition of our being. Our being actually creates uh, an atmosphere. It sets the tone no matter how we slice it. When we walk in a room, there's a tone that we set based on what's kind of growing and flowing out of our hearts. Now, all of this comes from Galatians chapter 5. Two verses, and our focus is the fruit of the Spirit. And here's what the Bible says. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And we've covered these are the fruits for our hearts. Then patience, kindness, goodness. Everybody say goodness. That's what we'll be addressing today. These are the fruit for our relationships, except that goodness plays a double role. You'll see in a moment. And then faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are fruit for our battles. And each of these fruits are so vitally important to um, all of our lives. But today we're focusing on the vibe of goodness. And let's cover these three, as we've tried to do uh, um, in this series so far, kind of give you the overall kind of thrust and emphasis as they work together as a cluster. Patience gives you the perspective of God. Patience enables you to see people and to wait for God to work in them in the same way God is working in you. You know that God loves to repair the broken and to make them beautiful. That's the perspective of God. Kindness gives you the impulse of God. That desire to bless someone, that desire to help someone, to make their life better. Kindness is something that, that, that should flow out of the children of God because that's God's impulse. And then today, goodness gives you the conviction of God. Everyone say conviction. Very important. You may not think about goodness from this perspective you might think about goodness from the perspective of just trying to be good or trying to do good, but this is a lot um, bigger, deeper, richer. So let's look at what the definition of goodness is. Goodness is an uprightness of heart and life that makes one kind without compromising the truth. Okay? Goodness enables us to be kind, but it doesn't mean that we, 
We compromise the truth. We never compromise the truth when we're operating in goodness. It says, an uprightness of, of heart and life that makes one kind without compromising the truth. It's the part of love that always protects, okay? It's the unchanging, unflinching protection of God expressed through us. Did you know that God wants to protect people through us? He wants to use us? Its opposite is compromise and toxicity. It's compromise and toxicity. Now, these are two huge words that speak to the fact that without goodness, there can be lots of very negative effects. Let me give you an earthly example of what I'm talking about, about the role that goodness should play in your life, in your home, in our church, and in our city, and in our country. This is vitally important. So in uh, Cornwall, UK, there's something called the Eden Project. This is the largest greenhouse in the world. Millions of, of different organisms, plants, and etc., grow under uh, the canopy of these, of these structures here all season long. Even though if those, these structures weren't there, it would be impossible for them to grow. It might be too cold. It might be too hot. It might be too lots of things. But these, this, these uh, um, structures actually they manage the environment so that things can be healthy and grow. A greenhouse protects the environment of its living organisms by stabilizing the temperature and safeguarding them from negative conditions. Well, goodness is like our spiritual greenhouse. Goodness is meant to be a greenhouse that allows all of the vibes to grow. All of the things that the Holy Spirit wants to grow in your life and in my life, they need the protection of the, the greenhouse of goodness. Whether it be too hot or whether it be stormy in your life or whether it be winter in your life, goodness has a, an ability, a way of navigating and managing the environment and making sure that the toxic, poisonous stuff does not get in. And we absolutely need that. Let me give you an example. So let's take a, let's take a teenager, right? Sometimes we, we, we hear stories of teenagers becoming very rebellious. It's a very challenging time emotionally for them. They're discovering themselves. There's hormones. There's all of this stuff going on. And uh, sometimes teenagers could just lose it. And oftentimes when a teenager is in rebellion, part of the reason that they rebel is they resent their parents because they're saying to their parents, I want you just to be kind to me. I don't want you to introduce goodness. But the parent says, no, no. Goodness is kindness without compromise. If I compromise the truth, then toxic stuff is going to get in your life. If I compromise the truth, then poisonous stuff will get in your life. And you don't understand right now. Our culture will often demand kindness without goodness. But goodness never 
It never compromises the truth. Brothers and sisters, only the truth sets us free. And only the truth keeps us free. And that's why goodness is so important because without goodness, things will be so radically affected that they will not grow. The best things, the wonderful things. So here's the vibe of goodness. The vibe of goodness says this, I'm committed to be true for the benefit of others and the pleasure of God. Can I tell you something? This is a good friend, okay? You can't have a good friend without the vibe of goodness, okay? It's saying, I'm committed to be true for your benefit. There's a verse in the, in the scriptures that say, an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. We need the truth. We need people who will do what is best for us, not just what we like and what we want. Somebody say amen. That's what the vibe of goodness is all about. Uh, the vibe of goodness is so powerful because not only does it please God, but it also protects and builds and strengthens us as we relate to one another. And so I, I'm, tempted, I'm tempted to say that this vibe is the most important vibe, okay? Obviously, they're all incredibly important, but the reason why I'm tempted to say this is because without this vibe, then lots of things will not grow. The other vibes can't grow. So we need the vibe of goodness. And I wanna challenge you, I'm gonna read this text and we're gonna pray, but let me say this. Listen, your heart should be a greenhouse. Your life, your home, our church, must be a greenhouse, a place that in this toxic, crazy world that we're living in, we are covered by the goodness of God and so that we can be fruitful and multiply, as the Bible says, so that we could be like a tree planted by streams of water bearing fruit in season. Our leaves don't have to wither because we are in the greenhouse of God's goodness. So let's read this text and pray because there's some very important points that um, we need to make today. Romans chapter 15, I'm going to read two verses in the front and you need to go and read, you can read the whole chapter or this whole section. I'll read the two top verses, the two top verses cover the context and then the last, it's actually three verses and then the last verse is actually the key text of the day. So look at how Romans 15 starts. It says, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors, watch this, for their good. Everyone say for their good. Imagine pleasing your neighbor for their bad, for their ill. For to their hurt, to their detriment, it is possible. How is that possible? When you remove goodness and only have kindness, guess what? It could be kind, but it could end up being really, really bad. So watch this. He says, each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. Verse 14, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, 
that you yourselves, and I want to say this, I wanna, I'm speaking this to Chicago Tabernacle, no matter where you find yourself, okay? I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness. Watch. Filled with knowledge and competent. That means able to instruct one another, able to do what is best for people, able to say by the power of the Holy Spirit, able to say what builds up, what edifies, able to say the honest answer that is like a kiss on the lips, able to be a true friend, a good friend, a godly friend, a godly father, a godly spouse for the sake of the pleasure of God and the benefit of those that we come into contact with. Look at how Aristotle descri described goodness, and that we're going to pray here. Goodness has two meanings, that which is good absolutely and that which is good for somebody. Same thing, same exact meaning. Goodness is the iron sharpening vibe. You know, the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. With no goodness, there's no ability to sharpen someone. And here's what I believe, brothers and sisters. We need the goodness of God right now like never before. Chicago, I'm talking about the city. The city of Chicago, okay, the United States of America are being, is, is being, uh, both of them are under such great attack. And you know why? It's because somewhere along the way, we dismissed the value of goodness. You can't only have kindness, okay? You need kindness mixed with the truth. And so I want to pray right now because God wants to use you and me as an instrument of sharpening someone, okay? As an instrument of actually blessing someone, not in the short run, but in the long run. So come on, let's, let's lift, let's embrace this message today as God speaking to us. This is, this is God speaking to every brother and sister. Are you a brother or a sister in Christ? This is the word of the Lord for you. This is the word of the Lord for me so that we could spread the goodness of God wherever we go at all times and in all ways. So, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. And, God, I thank you for this word. I thank you that in the Bible we find your wisdom we find your ways, your ways, O oh Lord, are so perfect, so pure. Your ways are the best for us. So, Lord, I pray that you would grow the fruit of goodness, the vibe of goodness. I pray for parents today. I pray for teachers and for leaders today. I pray for every uh, uh, man and woman of God, Lord, for our teenagers. God, would you grow the vibe of goodness in us. Do it by your powerful spirit and may your goodness become the greenhouse, Lord, that keeps all of the other fruit growing all season long, no matter what's happening in the world. We trust you to do it by your mighty power in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. So, 
What do we learn from this? The first thing that we learn from the message from these verses today is that goodness balances kindness with the truth. Okay? Goodness balances kindness with the truth. Brothers and sisters, kindness needs balance. Okay? Kindness needs the addition of the truth. If we disregard, if we remove the truth from kindness, it actually could really hurt people. It can be very destructive and hurtful to people. There is a lot of pain that has been the result of someone being kind but ignoring the truth. Let me put it to you, uh, let me put it to you this way. Without goodness, doors are left open. Okay, you want to leave a door open to the enemy? You want to give the enemy a foothold, right? Without goodness, doors are left open. Doors are left open for the polluting and the contaminating of our lives and our relationships. Goodness recognizes that there are dangerous residual effects. Everyone say residual effects. Okay, goodness recognizes that there are dangerous residual effects to ignoring truth while offering kindness. I'm telling you, this speaks right now to the academic world. This speaks right now to the social media world. This speaks right now to what's happening in the news and what's happening in our culture, brothers and sisters. Look at what the Bible says. It says, like a muddied spring or a polluted well are the righteous who give way to the wicked. Goodness, without goodness, we just give way to the wicked because we want to be nice. We don't want people to think um, anything negative of us. But sometimes you've got to love people enough to tell them to the truth and to stand for the truth. How many would say amen to that? This is the need of the hour. And can I tell you, when we bring up the issue of, of uh, residual effects, let me put it this way. Without goodness, things just won't stay good. Goodness is what keeps good good. And if you ignore goodness, things get really, really bad, even though it could be slow in some cases, but in the end, it's toxic and destructive. I want to give you two very important examples from, from history. Okay, both of these uh, are examples of people wanting to remove goodness because it can make us uncomfortable in the short run. Okay, the Bible says, he who tells the truth in the end gains favor. Sometimes not in the moment. Even if you speak the truth in love sometimes, people don't want to hear the truth because of what the truth means, because of what the truth causes us to face. But goodness keeps the truth right there because that's the way we're protected from hurt and harm. So look at this. The first example I want to give you is from World War II. Now we know that World War II... Uh, um, the, the aftermath of it was that there were millions and millions of lives, lives lost. Winston Churchill, who was the leader of the Allies, kind of when he wrote his, his uh, memoir on World War II and of his life, I remember reading, he said, this was the war that should have never taken place. You see, but there was this conflict in the leadership of England at the time. And I want to I explain what was happening. Hitler was rising to power, okay? 
Hitler was rising to power and Churchill said, do not meet with him. Do not fall under his, his uh, mesmerizing charisma. He'll say all the right things, but he doesn't mean it. He doesn't mean if you meet with Hitler, you're going to be mesmerized by him and we're going to end up in war. This is going to be terrible. And here's what, listen to this. Here's what many people, because England didn't want to face the fact that they were going to be in a war. They didn't want to face the fact that Hitler stood for evil. And so watch this. The prime uh, minister at the time, his name was Neville Chamberlain. He said, Hitler gave me the double handshake that he reserves for specially friendly demonstrations. The foreign secretary, uh, secretary of the time, Lord Halifax, said, Hitler doesn't want to go to war and is open to negotiating peace. He was not open one drop. He was not open. And Churchill kept saying, listen, stop thinking that being nice is going to stop us from going to war. We have to stand for the truth. Look, the diplomat, Neville Henderson, said it this way. Hitler hates war as much as anyone. Yeah, well, he didn't read his manifesto, Mein Kampf. He didn't read a lot of things, and they were not watching what Hitler was actually doing. Churchill was the only one who said, look, the malice of the wicked was reinforced by the weakness of the virtuous. Brothers and sisters, that applies to your house and my house today. That applies to our schools today. Okay, if we don't stand for what's right, if we don't stand for what the Bible says, then wicked, wickedness just continues to pervade and do its dirty, nefarious work in the hearts and lives of people. Hitler was the only one who said, I will not meet. I mean, I'm sorry. Churchill was the only one who said, I will not meet with Hitler because Hitler has no intention of doing what is good. And so we have to learn from history. You can't dismiss the truth because you want to be kind. If you can't have both, if you can't have goodness, guess what? It just doesn't work. Here's another, here's another example. In the 80s, there was a landmark case where the EPA sued food supply companies because they contaminated the water supply in Woburn, Massachusetts. There was a movie about it. There have been a number of movies about um, cases like this. And here's what, ha what was happening, is that companies were dumping toxic waste in a, in, a, in a particular area that was really close to the water, and sooner or later it started to get into the water. And the residual effects, everyone say the residual effects. The residual effects were countless health issues, including children with leukemia, and women were experiencing high rates of miscarriages. There was so much loss and hurt and pain because of the slow poison of, of the toxic waste. And brothers and sisters, I need to say this today because I want to exercise goodness as a pastor. It is very, very possible that your home or your life, that some of us, there's a toxic waste spill in our lives. It's very possible that there's this slow poison that we may not feel the full effects of it today, but if we keep denying the truth, brothers and sisters, we will be crushed by lies. Lies put us in bondage. Lies destroy us. 
We can't talk our way, uh, our, our lives away from the truth. It just doesn't work. And so there has to be this incredible balance of kindness, yes, with truth. If we don't balance kindness with truth, then things become incredibly unhealthy. By the way, and I'll, I'm going to talk a little bit about this at the last point, is this is why pastors have to tell the truth. And this is why many times you read the Paul, the Apostle Paul saying, look, I've told you the truth to the best of my abilities. In Acts chapter 20, he actually said, look, the blood is off my hands because I did not withhold from telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth because I love you, even though it might poke you or pinch you and make you a little uncomfortable. What? Kindness has to be balanced with the truth in order for things to be healthy. Now, here's what goodness specifically teaches us. Goodness specifically teaches us that it positions, what goodness does is, goodness positions truth as a relationship guide. I wonder if that's the case in your life. Is, Is truth one of the core relationship guides, not just love and kindness? But how important is truth in your relationships? Because the Bible says that if we're going to have the vibe of goodness, it absolutely has to be crucial to the way we treat one another. Let me give you a couple of verses out of uh, uh, 1 Corinthians. So 1 Corinthians 15.33 says this, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You know, this is why we tell our kids, don't hang out with the wrong people. But you know what? I say this to adults too. Don't hang out with the wrong people because you will not be able to overcome the toxicity. You will not be able to overcome the poison, the poison of the clubs or the poison of this environment or that environment. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, we will not be able, when we come out from under the canopy of the goodness of God and we're out there on our own, that poison falls like toxic rain and we will be affected. When it says, don't be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can, have light, can light have with darkness? Here's what it's saying. It's saying, if you don't use the truth of God's word as a relationship guide, in the end, in the end, you will be pulled away from the truth. Let me give you an example. So, when the Bible says don't be yoked with unbelievers, uh, brothers and sisters, all single people, please listen to this, okay? This speaks specifically to dating too, okay? So one of the things that it's saying is this. If you start to date someone, you can love God with all your heart. If you start to date someone who doesn't love God and honor Jesus as Lord and Savior, over time, here's what will happen. They will start to demand kindness without goodness, They will start to say, I don't really care what you think about what the Bible says about the truth. I just want you to be kind to me because I don't have a regard for God's goodness, for God's truth the way you do. And so guess what? That's when the misery comes in. It might be happy for a short season, but over time. How many times have we told people, don't marry someone who doesn't love God? And then when the children come, 
when it comes time to raise them according to, the, to what the Bible says, that's when it hits because the, the, the values are so different. So brothers and sisters, be careful. And by the way, if you are a Christian today, if you are a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, and you demand kindness without goodness in your relationships, well, guess what? You are, you are starting to, to live in a pretty toxic field. Can I say that to you today? Can I tell you that if you are one of those kinds of people that don't like the Bible quoted to you, if you're one of those people who say, I know the Bible, don't tell me what the Bible says, and you're not really applying the Bible to your life, can I tell you something? Those are all the seeds of great dysfunction. How many know we got to love the truth because the truth is what sets us free? How many know we got to make our decisions based on the truth? Okay, because the truth sets us free and the truth keeps us free. And so goodness has to be our relationship. God, if the musicians and singers could come. I can't tell you how important goodness is. I can't emphasize how we need to put on, if I could say, the lenses of goodness right now. I mean, think about what's happening in our culture. Think about so many people who don't want to appear to be negative, and there, there might be this big cultural current taking place. Just make sure that whatever you're standing with or standing for, make sure you're not dismissing goodness. Because without goodness, things just get very, very toxic. Jesus, help us to speak the truth in love. Don't you remember teachers or friends or coaches in your life that told you the truth? Aren't those the people that you trust the most and care for the most? And here's the last thing that this kind of, that this passage is like deeply speaking to. And I, again, I want to end today's message in a sense with a challenge. You know what goodness does? Goodness makes us the leaders we were called to be. Everyone, if you're a child of God, you are called to be a leader. Not in, in title, but in your life position as a child of God. We are a royal priesthood. We are God's holy nation. There's a nation that is more important than the United States. It's the nation of Jesus Christ. And as citizens of heaven, as citizens of that nation, we're called to light, the light of life. And so we have to understand how important goodness is. Look, one of my favorites uh, as an example of goodness was Abraham Lincoln. Look at what Lincoln said. He said, I, I am not bound to win, but I am bound to be true. I am not bound to succeed, but I am bound to live up to the light that I have. I must stand with anybody that stands right and stand with him while he is right and part with him when he goes wrong. 
In other words, you can love someone but not stand with them. You could still disagree with them. You could love someone but be the light to help them when they're going astray. And sometimes people will criticize you. I mean, look, Lincoln was one of those who lost his life because of the ideals that he stood for. And think about it. The overtones of what he stood for, we're still facing, we're still fighting right here, right now. But praise God for Abraham Lincoln. Praise God for someone who understood the importance of goodness. God wants to make us leaders. And you know what? Goodness is kind of like, you know, when you strike a match, goodness is kind of like the phosphorus that, that sets the light going. God wants to put a holy phosphorus in you and me. God wants to put something in us that says, I love you so much that I'm going to stand for the truth and I'm going to please God. Now, as I go to close, can I just qualify one thing? Does this message mean that you got to go out and debate with everybody? <laughs> Anytime someone says something that you don't agree with, does this message mean that you're supposed to be debating with everybody? No. Okay, let me give you a, a, some practical advice. Okay, display goodness way more than you, have, than you speak it. Some people you have to build a relationship with before you could speak the goodness of God. So that doesn't mean we have to be these combative people. We need to be loving. We need to be caring. We need to even put up at times with people saying ugly things and vile things and wait for the open door to insert the goodness of God. That's what Christians do. We wait for the moment that the Holy Spirit says, now is the time. They're open, they're willing, they're ready. And they see it in your life. See, here's the thing. If you choose to live your life in compromise because you don't want to offend anyone, then when the opportunity to truly witness and introduce someone to Jesus, you have no voice. But you can live and stand for goodness and wait for the open door of goodness. And then the truth will set us free. So look, you know what I want to do? I want to I want to celebrate the goodness of God today because God is good to us. You know, sometimes God says no because he loves us. And sometimes we're asking God for something and then, and he says no. And then when he gives us what we really needed, it's kind of an amazing thing how we're so thankful that God said no to what we thought was really, really good for us. We want to celebrate the goodness of God today but we want to pause and, and we're going to be taking communion on Tuesday and I want you to take the next couple of days to think about the goodness of God. I want you to think about toxicity in your life. I want you to think about compromise in your life. The Christian has to pause and think about different ways that you might be compromising. Are there things that are getting into your life because you keep ignoring the whispers of the truth, or even the voices of godly loved ones who are pointing something out in your life, and they're doing it because they love you. God loves us. He loves us enough to tell us the truth. So look, here's my last example, and we'll close. 
Goodness is a grace that only comes from the Holy Spirit, and it's something that only the Holy Spirit can grow. And I, you know how I really learned this? I learned this through becoming a grandparent. You see, when you become a grandparent, the impulse of kindness absolutely overwhelms the impulse of goodness. You realize, if the whole world was only grandpas and grandmas, there would be a lot of brats in this world. <laughs> but it's a crazy thing. Like, like, my kids, they watch me sometimes with my grandkids, and they go, who is this? I don't even know who my father is. You never treated me that way. And you know, I thank God because when I see, for example, my, my son-in-law correcting um, my two grandsons, I know that it's for their good, but grandpa wants no part of it. You see, I just, I'm like, for me, they can do something naughty and it makes me laugh, God forgive me. I think they're cute, but Josh and Susie are like, yo, that's not cute. And how many know a that's not cute today can powerfully save someone's future tomorrow? It's that simple and yet that powerful. It's that powerful. We need to invite the goodness of God. What would happen to Chicago if we just allowed the kindness of God mixed with the truth of the word of God? I'm telling you, things would change for the better. But it begins with the church. It begins with the people of God. So come on. Open your heart today to God's goodness. Hallelujah. He's so good. He's so pure. He's so holy, so wonderful. And he can grow that, that vibe in our lives. Blessed be the name of the Lord.